Welcome to MLR Kickoff, episode 32, with your hosts, Dan Power and the returned Pete Steinberg. Hey folks, welcome to episode 32. That is right, the return of the prodigal son. He's <laughs> gone, but now he has returned to the warm welcome embrace. Pete Steinberg, welcome back, my friend. I certainly missed you. Thanks, man. Well, even though we don't look different in age, I am significantly older than you. And therefore, I should be like the prodigal cool uncle, something like that. That's probably what I am. I'm the prodigal cool uncle that has returned. Granddad has come back. (laughs) Well, it's great to have you back on the show, mate. And we have a big show ahead of us as we'll go into all the results from the weekend. A couple of interesting ones that affect the standings. Uh, We'll look at the power matchup of the week as well as all the games coming up this week. As always, Pete, we start things off with a travel tip, and I'm going to hand over the reins to you on this one because you are on the road currently. I am currently on the road. I'm I'm currently in Pittsburgh um, doing some work at Carnegie Mellon. But my travel tip is actually going to be about international travel. Um, Next week, I'm on the road again. Um, Hopefully, I'll be home for the podcast, but um, next weekend, I travel to Europe. And I, I talk to a lot of people, you know, obviously I'm originally from the UK, make um, the US my home. And as I always tell people, I was born a, a proud American. But I talk to a lot of people in the States and they're like, oh, I'd love to travel to Europe. It's just I can't afford it. Well, I think you can afford it now. So one of the things I would ask people to do is when you're looking for flights, if you want to get some cheap flights to Europe, there's now a lot of low cost, low cost carriers that can get you flights. So you can look at Norwegian Air is is one of them they fly actually from denver to london gatwick and you can get tickets on norwegian air for the same price um to to london gatwick for the same price as you could get a round trip ticket to new york you can get tickets for around 400 450 dollars um i leveraged this recently because on my way back from europe uh i was working i'm working for one client in paris and the next day which was supposed to be my travel day i have another client and they wanted me to be in Newark. And there's actually a new airline that I never heard about called Level Airways. It's part of the Iberia BA consortium. And um, they had a flight from Paris to uh, um, Newark, $150 one way. And it left at 6.15 PM. So I could work with my client on that day and get to Newark that night. It's going to be a long day, but for 150 bucks, that's pretty impressive to get from Paris to New York. For 150 bucks, you uh, might find yourself on a stationary bike powering the wings. Well, well, so I'm going to be, I'm going to be completely honest. So I'm not, I didn't pay 150 bucks. I paid 350 bucks so I could be in premium economy. So I didn't pay 150. So I'm in, I'm in premium economy. I'm not going to do that. And I'm, and, and, you know, I'm going to make sure that my client knows that I'm giving up the miles, which is the big thing that I lose. It's the miles I lose on the way back. You're a better man than me. (laughs) All right, mate, let's jump into the results from the weekend. Four games spread across the weekend, two Saturday, two Sunday. It started off down in New Orleans. Uh, The the New Orleans Gold, they were coming off a bye. They took on the Austin Elite. And you know you've really got a feel for Austin. They've had a, a wretched season and traveling, they got their flight canceled out the night before. They had to fly in the morning of the game. It's just a horrible preparation for anyone. It's not a 
overly long flight from Austin to New Orleans, but it's a, enough to be an inconvenience to fly the morning of a game. You and I know what it's like to fly in the day of a game and call the game. It's a little bit squirrely sometimes. So to play, uh, you got to tip the hat to the guys from Austin. They go down 26-14 to New Orleans down there as the gold. Uh, they hold on to first place as well with this win. Yeah, I mean, it was an interesting game. I mean, you know, the... the the teams like Austin and, and Utah and Houston aren't that far away from being good, but they're just unable to really um, be efficient in in how they attack. And, and you have to score a lot of points against Nola. And Austin haven't demonstrated the ability to do that. Um, you know, a couple of things that I thought was really interesting for Nola as they go into the, um, you know, as they basically prepare for the playoffs. I mean, I think winning this, it's going to, they, Nola can get in the playoffs then if they just maximize their bonus points for the rest of the season. They actually don't need to win another game. If they just maximize, I mean, I think they'll win other games, but they'll just maximize. Um, if they maximize their bonus points, then I think they're in um, good place. Their, their defense was excellent. They um, had 134 tackles. They only missed 15 for a tackle rate of 90%. However, there is an Achilles heel in this Nola um, team that is. I think it's going to come back to haunt them if you look at the other teams and it's their scrum. Their scrum was under a lot of pressure from Austin. Now, Austin have a pretty good scrum, um, but they don't have a really dominant scrum. You know, they had Juan Echeverria, who was at tight head. But remember when they um, when Austin went up against Rooney, Rooney pushed that scrum all over the place and Nola are really missing Bentar. So the scrum is a concern that I would have for Austin as they look to go into this last run. For Nola, not Austin. Oh, for Nola. Yep. For Nola, thank you. They went out and signed Alex Morn, which is going to be a little bit of depth there. And I've heard they're uh, actively looking at some of the other teams who are out of the playoff contention to uh, perhaps acquire some players for the stretch. So great uh, great pick up there, Pete. And I think that's something that New Orleans have internally noticed as well. They get the win down there. Moving on, it was the Raptors and the Warriors in Glendale on Saturday night. And... Well, for Glendale fans, it was a bit of a panic early on as the Warriors leapt out to a 10 nothing lead. And then, well, the uh, the heavens opened, so to speak, and tries poured freely from the, uh, from the skies as Glendale went on to win 64-22. And we talked about the importance of a few weeks ago against New York. Their season kind of hung in the balance, and they've really found an extra stride Unlike last year, Pete, where they came down the stretch uh, almost with a limp into the finals, losing that game to San Diego, they seem to be getting better coming down the stretch this year. Yeah, they are, and I, you know, I thought this was a really great performance. You know, we've it's it we've been wondering about the Raptors and when they'd really put it together, and I thought they put it together really well here. And there's a couple of interesting selections. So you know, you can see um, Malon Aljabori is now a starting player, like so he's taken that transition from sevens and as being a real impact around the field. Um, and then starting Adam Alifa at 10. I mean, that's a, a statement of intent. I think one of the challenges that Will Mickey has is he tends to stand a little bit too deep. But with Adam Alifa standing flat, you can see the impact he had because the line breaks, like Robbie Petzer was amazing. He had a great game. Um, he had three line breaks. Chad London had three line breaks. And Dylan Simpson, um, Taikato, had three line breaks. And so when those guys get line breaks, you know that their back line is really, really clicking well. And I thought Adam Malifa did a great job there. 
Yeah, no surprise. Uh, Adam Leifer, front foot fly half, loves playing at the line. And I think it's suiting that back line and uh, forwards as well. The loose forwards running off him. They go for 1,248 metres total. Wow, and yeah, that's crazy. That's with crazy. a score of 64-22, it's not surprising that, uh, you know, he uh, he's he's had a change on that side. And it's got to be tough for Will McGee, no, a great fly half. And I think if he goes... Anywhere else, he probably, uh, you know, walks right into that starting jersey. But a lot of the problems that Glendale have had throughout the year seems to have fallen on his shoulders. And, and fortunately for them, Adam Malifa, such a quality player, has stepped up and they've really started playing well. Yeah, and I thought, you know, Utah is this really weird team and they seem to be swinging from good games to, to bad games. I mean, you know, they've got some some great players. I think the challenge they've really got is I just don't think they're packed. Um, outside of Matt Jensen, I don't think their pack has enough players. I think Lance Williams is a good is a um, a good player, but you know the way you get after the Glendale Raptors is you get after their scrum. And even losing um, Fepaluae uh, after only three minutes, Utah weren't able to turn up the pressure in the scrum. And you know that's how. Like what I think what we saw here, Dan, is we saw a Raptors team the way the team looks when they can scrum well, and they look really, really good. But we've seen if they can't scrum, it really disrupts everything that they do. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they respond in the next few weeks as they run into a few of those sides who are more traditionally favoured to scrum. They face one this weekend in the Houston Sabercats down there at Houston. We'll jump into that one a little later. Moving on to Sunday, Pete, it was Toronto-San Diego. Game of the round in mind in terms of its significance and its importance to the top four. Uh, back and forth battle up there between San Diego and Toronto. San Diego looked like they had the game in the bag at the death, but Toronto, they sneak home 23 points to 19 keep their season alive, and now they sit just on the precipice of the top four. Yeah, I mean, this was a really, really good game. And um, not just exciting, but I thought good quality. And, I, you know, the Arrows, they won the game, but they absolutely dominated possession. Um, they won the territory battle, and they won the game because San Diego couldn't win a line out at the end. They tried to go quick, and they had a missed throw. Like, I think... The challenge that I see from the Arrows is I just don't think that they can score enough points. They're, they're on a tough run-in, but here they are. They, you know, they had um, 65% of the possession, right? They had um, double the number of hit-ups of Toronto, but they just about managed to win. Now, their defense was very good, and I thought, you know, I, I'm wondering about the width of that new field, Dan, because... It looked to me like there was no space, that teams were going from sideline to sideline and they couldn't get any space. So I wonder if the width of the pitch is a little bit thinner in their new stadium um, because it was tough going for both teams. It reminds me of a, a story back in the early 90s. There was a team in, in Australia that had these two explosive fast wingers. And whenever they would travel away and play at this one team, the groundsman would get out there with the fire hose and drench about 10 metres in from each sideline where the wingers operated and just turn it into a quagmire. Maybe Toronto just inched those lines in a little bit before the game for San Diego, knowing think, how they wanted to play. I, I, I don't think they can. I mean, there were so many lines on that field. I think I think they're permanent. But I'm wondering if... if and I don't know enough about rugby league, but I'm wondering if those rugby league lines might be only 65 meters as opposed to 70 meters. It just, it appeared to be that. But 
you know, the big thing for San Diego is that they could not understand the referee at the breakdown, right? I mean, Luke Rogan, he, they had 17 penalties conceded against four for the arrows. And I actually thought Luke really struggled a little bit with the tackle assist. I thought there, there were a number of turnovers that happened by both teams where the tackle assist never released. And um, I think like San Diego were never quite able to work that out. And that meant that they were always penalized. That meant they always ended up losing the ball and they were always um, finding themselves um, on defense. Yeah, uncharacteristically falling under 90% tackle efficiency as well, Pete, as they go to 89. And uh, I know we toot this guy's horn quite a bit, but that leadership of Lou Stanfield in that defensive line, they've got a couple of injuries too. They're kind of beat up and that's a tough little road trip. I don't think uh, it's more than just a slight speed bump for the Legion, but yeah, great for the Arrows too. A couple of weeks ago, again, we kind of bunched them in with Glendale there. It kind of seemed like it was going to be too tough, even with the home games, to make this run. The big test for them, though, Pete, is going to be the next nine days, isn't it? They have a makeup game this week against Austin, and they have to turn around and play Utah at home that weekend. So if they can come out of this, you know, 5-5, five, five, you know, maximum of 10 points here, well, it sets up a very exciting finish to the game, after uh, the season, sorry. Yeah, I mean, you know, we'll talk about the upcoming games, but every game for Toronto is a must-win. I think I think if they lose any of their games, and, and I think that even with their compressed um, season coming, I mean, I think they've got the depth. I mean, I thought Pat Palfrey stepped in at 12, did really well. He had 12 carries. Um, I, I think they've got the depth to handle this weekend. I think the challenge is, um, you know, they're, they're tougher games later on in the season. That last week against New York up there, that's one. Really, uh, yeah, yeah, I would circle that one too. All right, mate. Last game was the CBS game of the week out in New York. It was the Sabercats with a brand new coach and uh, a brand new sense of hope going up to New York. And uh, you know, the weather kind of reflected the Sabercats seasons, it was just dreary and miserable. And uh, it affected the performance of both sides. It was a messy, messy game. A lot of scrums, a lot of drop balls, a lot of uh, missed opportunities. But it was New York who ran away winners 21 points to zero and put themselves back into third place on the ladder as well. Yeah, I mean, this wasn't a great game. Um, there were a lot of errors. I mean, Houston were actually in this game for long periods. They weren't able to get over the line. They had a couple of opportunities to score and really put Houston under pressure. But they weren't able to do that. And it came back to sort of the Houston, I mean, the New York line out and how effective that was. But it, it just wasn't a, a great game by both teams. And I actually think that Rooney's inability to get that fourth bonus point might come back to haunt them. I mean, I've been going through my predictor and, you know, there's an opportunity for um, three teams to end up on 56 points. And, and, you know, that would be Rooney, Glendale and Seattle. And, and so not getting that fourth try I think could come come back and um, hurt Rooney and and you know there's not much that a new coach um, can do with Houston. Yeah, people they'll often say, well, this they're professionals, they're full time, but actually you spend most of the week recovering from the game before, and so you know I think um, Paul's going to you know, make some tweaks here and there. He he tried a different lineup. It probably wasn't the game to have Kalinasau at fullback. Um, you know, you probably wanted to play more of a kicking game. That back line still is not working. And, you know, Josh Vithi is still a bit of a hothead even after his ban. Yeah, Josh Vithi. How about that? <laughs> I was just 
It's one of the you could see a sad clinic out just pleading with him at one point, just just calm down. But we've all been there on the field. We all get in those situations, and it, it is tough at times to kind of uh, check yourself before you wreck yourself. But and 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 we have to remember that there were six minutes when the Saber Cats were down to thirteen players. I mean, they had three yellow cards. It was interesting. They had three yellow cards. San Diego had three yellow cards. This was again another lopsided penalty count with 14 against the Sabercats and eight against Rooney. But it was, you know, so it was a real struggle for them to be able to really understand um, how the referee was um, was calling. And they, you know, they got called for things like offside, which is really something that, you know, you get called that once and then you know what the referee is calling. So lots of discipline is is where I would focus if I was coaching the, the Sabercats. Yeah, definitely. I got to, got to give a quick shout out to to New York owner James Kennedy. I had my uh, wife and kids with me over the weekend, and weather wasn't great. And he made sure that they were dry and warm upstairs in uh, in the owner's suite up there, and took good care of them. And uh, you know, gave the kids a little bit of uh, swag as well, and made sure you know they came away. And all they've talked about since then is they want to go to a New York game. They're they're Roosters fans. They're cockadoodle doing all over the house, wanting to watch the next Roosters game. So. Thanks to James and the whole Rooney organization did an outstanding job taking care of us. So that was uh, that was awesome. And I'm already in New York, guys. It's not tough to have them support New York as well. Well, you know, I think they're building something really cool. I mean, James is extremely passionate. Whenever you meet with him, you know, you can't help but get excited about what Rooney are doing. And, you know, they're they're uh, um, you know, they're, they're signing stars left and right. Everyone wants to come to New York, not just the power family. Not just the power for them. We had a great time, though. But there was plenty of great performances over the weekend. But not surprisingly, we go back to Saturday night. The Glendale Raptors, just brilliant. Uh, a lot of brilliant performances. You talked about a few of them. But the man you mentioned, Robbie Petzer, is our player of the week this week. And the inside center for the Glendale Raptors has been on absolute fire these last few weeks. So a very well-deserved honor. And, Pete, you got a chance to catch up with Mr. Petzer this week. Robbie, thank you so much for um, making the time today. I, I think that you're enjoying a very typical Colorado spring where it's 70 degrees one day and snowing the next day. I live in Colorado, but I'm actually on the East Coast right now. Did it snow today or is it going to snow tomorrow? Uh, I think it's going to snow tomorrow. Uh, we have uh, we had quite a bit of rain today. So, yeah, we're a bit wet here. And, 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 and while you've been in Colorado, have you had a chance to like head up to the slopes and do some skiing? Are you, is that something that you like to do? No, no, no I haven't done that yet. Uh, but scared of getting a minor injury or something up there. Yeah, I was going to say, probably, probably a little <laughs> bit tough, but probably written into your contract that you can't do it, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, uh, thank, you, thank you for joining us today. We're excited. Yeah, sure. Congratulations on being player of the week. Um, oh, we'll talk bro. a little bit about sort of your background. You're from South Africa. Um, you know, you played some very high-level stuff over there. So talk a little bit about your rugby career in South Africa um, before you came to the U.S. Uh, yeah, so my, my junior rugby, I played over in Cape Town. I played for the Western Province under 19. Uh, I moved up to the Free State. I uh, played there for the Free State Cheetahs. On a 20 level, I played for the uh, Griffins, and I played for the Varsity over there. And um, I got a senior contract at the Griffins. That's a first division team in South Africa. And uh, I went over to the Cheetahs to play on the 21 level. And there was two, yeah, they had two injuries on a fly-off. 
and I got the call up to play Curry Cup. And uh, yeah, as, as a youngster, I mean, I was only 21 years old playing in the Senior Curry Cup. That was something for me. And then the next weekend, I got the message and uh, they said I'm going to Ireland to play in the first um, Pro 14 tour. So how was Ireland? Did you in, did you get to do anything while you were there? Because you were up there for you went up there for a couple of games, right? Yeah, we were there for about two and a half weeks, and uh, our first game was against Ulster. I didn't play that game. I only came in on the Wednesday because I only had I I had to get a visa, and um, I had like two days to get a visa and fly over there. The team was already there, and I joined them on the Wednesday. So we were in Belfast for a week, and then we went over to play. Munster, that was my, my debut. I played over there. And uh, yeah, we didn't get to do much over there. We, we went out a bit, saw a little bit of... Uh, did, you, did you at least Ireland. get a pint of Guinness? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Probably the best Guinness I've ever had. It's, a, it's, 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 the, it's, it's amazing. The Guinness in Ireland is... is yeah, it's amazing. amazing. So, so obviously, lots of high-level experience. Um, what brought you to the US and, and how did you end up in Glendale? Okay, yeah. So I went over to play for a first division team again in 20, 2018. I played for the SWD Eagles. And uh, yeah, so s some things happened over there. They couldn't keep all of the players and they couldn't pay the contracts. And I had a mate that played over here in Glendale, like in 2010, 2011. He played over here. And he always spoke highly of Glendale Raptors and of Davey and yeah, I got in contact with Mark Bullock, our CEO, and uh, he put me in touch with Davey. Uh, we started talking. I've sent him over some of my clips, and yeah, we started negotiating a contract. And so, you, you, when did you get into Glendale? Yeah, when so my visa, my visa took took a while. Uh, I flew in the fourth or fifth of January, and I was here about the sixth. Yeah, so I was injured for seven months. I got a wrist injury and I came in the Saturday and the next Saturday I played my first game for Glendale against San Diego. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so hit the ground running a, a little bit rusty, but obviously as yeah. this has gone on, you've yeah. knocked off the rust, but you're a fly half that's playing inside center. So um, I think that you provide a tremendous ability for the um, team to play wider when you play 12, um, but what that, what's that transition been like and, and what, have, what have you learned playing consistently now at 12 that maybe is different than playing at 10? Yeah, so, well, in high school, I had a bit of experience playing 12, but uh, on, on senior rugby or professional rugby, I, I haven't played 12 a lot. So, I mean, coming over here, obviously, Will McGee as a 10, I mean, he is the, he's in the U.S. setup and he's probably going to go to the World Cup. So, He's probably the first choice fly off. So I knew I was going to be a bit, of, a bit in his shadow coming in, yeah, like a new guy. But, um, yeah, I think it, it's good to have two tens next to each other on the field because, uh, uh, like you said, we, we can go wider. But um, for me, the transition wasn't that bad because – I like the contact. Even if, even though I play ten, I would like to show. <laughs> no, 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 you can't be a ten. Ten yeah. don't like contact. We can talk to ten <laughs> now. He does not like contact. He always talks about it. So, yeah. so you're obviously a twelve in waiting, just playing ten. Yeah, I think it's more like that, and I think Davey saw that, and he just moved me one over. <laughs>
So, you know, you've, you've played a lot of games. You've been in, in uh, um, you know, you've experienced Major League Rugby in its second year. What do you think are some of the strengths of the league? And where do you think the, the league still needs to improve, like from, your, you know, as a, as a professional player coming from overseas? I mean, I've been pretty impressed with the league. To be honest, before, before I came over, I had a talk to some of my mates back home that plays Curry Cup and so... And uh, to be honest, I don't, I don't think the league, the league's level is going to be that high. It's definitely, it's definitely been better than I was expecting. Um, I think every weekend we see a lot of good tries being scored. I think the running rugby in the league is pretty good. Uh, one thing I just think is a bit slow in the league is the ruck speed. Um, I think where, where I played Curry Cup and the Pro 40 is just a bit, bit faster. I think. Right. But uh, I think the, the physicality level in the league and the running rugby, I mean, I think it's good. Like I said, just the ruck speed maybe is just a bit slow. Yeah, I mean, that's, the, that's actually the thing that separates the different levels of play is how quickly the game is played. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The, like the ability to make those decisions and get into the position. So, you know, you've played a lot of games. You've played against a lot of teams. Glendale was in their crunch part of the season. You're like one of those teams that just got to keep winning. But... Yeah. Um, when you reflect on this on 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 the season so far, who has been your toughest opponent? Oh man, I have to say, I have to say San Diego. They're pretty good. I mean, Joe Peterson and JP Duplessis in the midfield, they control the game so well. And I mean, they have they are very physical up front and they run pretty hard. Uh, they're pretty good. I think I think they're going to be one of the teams to reckon with if you want to win the final. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think, I think you're right, and I think that um, you guys showed that you can really do some running rugby in the game last week. You scored 34 points. Have you scored 34 points in a, in, in a game? I mean, since you no. were 18, I guess. No, no, I haven't. This is definitely one of one of my highlights in my career so far. So really, really good stuff, and you did, you know, great support lines, and you you always do a good job with your feet to be to get beyond the defender. So it's always it's always yeah, good. To watch you play, and and I, I have a sense that there might be some more player of the week um, opportunities for you as we as we go forward. So we're going to finish up with a little bit about Glendale. So um, tell me what's most annoying about Davy. Most annoying about Davy. <laughs> uh, let me think about that. So this is for people that don't know. Davy is Dave Williams, the uh, um, head coach of Glendale, long time <laughs> USA coach, um, strength and conditioning coach. And he's a bit of a, like, a tough, tough coach. Yeah, he's a very tough coach. I mean, Davey is always on your case, and he loves perfection, and he, he just wants the best out of the team. Um, yeah, probably, I, I don't know, man. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to stop now. I don't want to put you in that, in that in Yeah. So I just thought I'll, I'll test you. So, so we'll, we'll talk a little bit then about your teammates. So yeah. That, uh, so, you know, I think that uh, when you when you look at your teammates, so every team has these characters. They do different things. So, who is the team dad? Who's the guy on the team that makes sure like everyone's eating properly, make sure people are going to bed properly? Who's the who's the team dad? Uh, I would probably say it's between if 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 I'll say team dad, looking after the boys and making sure they're good. It's probably be, be between Sean Davies and Atta Malifa. They're uh -huh. always the, the nice guys, making sure everybody's okay and everybody had their meal and you're good and stuff like that. 
All right, so that's that's good. And then who's the jokester? Who's the guy that is always like making everyone laugh? Uh, I have to say we we do have a couple of them. I mean, we do have a pretty good spirit in the team, but someone that always says the right thing at the right moment, making everyone laugh. I would say muscles, Johnny Ryberg. <laughs> he's, 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 he's is everyone good... laughing just because they're scared of his thighs? <laughs> I mean, I, mean I, I would laugh just just in it's, case he would like run over it's, me. It's, yeah, it's a possibility, <laughs> but he's a pretty good guy. He's a, he's a good guy. Well, look, we appreciate you taking the time to chat in with us. Um, you know, survive the snow in May. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's 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 Colorado, so it will snow, and then the next day it will be 75, so, so you'll be yeah. fine. And um, good luck with your running and games in the rest of the season. Yeah, thanks a lot. I appreciate it. There we go. Robbie Petzer from the Glendale Raptors. Uh, a great performance from him. And, you know, he's really, really kind of found his stride at this inside center position for the Raptors these last couple of weeks, Pete. He has. I mean, I think he gives them another um, distributor out there. I think that a lot, one of the ways that they've been able to play wider and 34 points, Dan. I mean, you know, I, at, at the end of the game, I think we were texting each other and we said, well, player of the week's going to be pretty easy because no one's going to uh, score more points than 34. Yeah, not a bad time out. Hey, Pete, guess what time of the week it is? What time is it, Dan? Get ready. Is it? Is it? That's right. It's the power matchup of the week. A little He-Man intro there. Getting creative. <laughs> uh, very IT. The quality, just... the, the, the production quality is very high on this pod, podcast. We should definitely um, blame Aaron for that. We need some sponsors to bump this budget up. My power matchup of the week, and I thought you were going to steal it. You started talking about it when we were reviewing the earlier games. I'm like, oh, he's going to take it. He's going to steal my matchup of the week. It's Paddy Ryan versus the front row of Nola. He's my power matchup of the week. Can that front row hold up against the great Paddy Ryan? The bearded bush ranger from Tamworth is going to be the question. Down there at Nola on Saturday, it's going to be hot. Two o'clock in the afternoon down there. Ooh, it's going to be a rough one. So that is my matchup of the week to watch for everyone. Paddy Ryan versus that entire front row. Can they stop the machine that is Paddy Ryan? Wow. Well, um, interesting. I think I think that's uh, that's an interesting one. Although I think Paddy Ryan's not up against the whole front row. Um, my matchup he is. he is my matchup of the week is actually um, uh, Cahill Mark. Um, versus uh, Matt Turner. So um, Rooney's kicking game, um, their ability to be able to manipulate the back three, and then Matt Turner's ability to marshal the back three of Seattle and be able to manage that. I think that Rooney are using their kicking game, especially um, at MCU Park. It's The weather hasn't been good there. It's often very windy. And so um, I think that the Cahill Marsh, Matt Turner matchup is going to be a really, really interesting one to see who can win the territorial battle. Yeah, it was uh, it was interesting seeing the different style of play for Rooney with Harry Bennett back there. He took the bulk of the kicking. We know Marsh has struggled with some groin issues throughout the year. And Pete, to be honest, I, I'm not sure if he's 100% healthy. I know no one's ever really 100% healthy, but he still doesn't seem to be attacking the line like he did in those early weeks. He was one of the most dangerous 10s in, in the league. He just seems to be a little hesitant or missing that little step in his game, that first step, that power step. Um, I'm not sure what your thoughts are on it, but he just doesn't seem as healthy and as dynamic as he has been in the past. 
Yeah, I think that's right. But I think his attacking kicks are still there. He's still like, so I don't think he's doing the clearing kicks, but he's definitely seeing the space. And I think that's where, where he becomes more done. But I don't disagree with you. I, I don't see, you know, you look at, I, I, you know, one of the things, um, it, you know, so in, in the San Diego game that I think is going to be really interesting is it's out, actually the outside defense of Nola against um, Joe Peterson. Joe Peterson last weekend was absolutely phenomenal against Toronto. And the way that they play is he ends up taking the ball from a forward. So he gets out to the outside center and then he's got the ball in his hand and is, you know, he's basically playing like a fullback like he did last year. And the way he moves and the way he's able to take that ball at place and, and, and make, make decisions that I think Joe Peterson against the NOLA outside, um, uh, outside back defense is another great matchup. All right, we've got our tips this week. Let's jump into it. Uh, I still have a four-point lead. I pushed ahead by one and then gave it up again uh, later in the weekend. So we ended up even Stevens, three and one each over the weekend. James Patterson, four and oh. Uh, I guess he's never welcome back on the show again now for that. Can I, hold it, can't I just take James's? If I take James's four and oh, then I get to 40 and 15 and we're tied. No, you don't. You're at 36 and 15. How do you figure that out? Well, if I add his four wins, that gets me to 40 and 15. No, that 36 is with your three wins from the weekend. So you'd be 37 and 15, not 40 and 15. Whatever. I, I did grade 10 math four years in a row. I think those four years I learned something. <laughs> well, let's uh, let's get on to these games of the week because there's a early on, there are some real crackers. Right, we have an early game, Thursday, folks. So don't forget this. It is a makeup game. It is the game that the Austin Elite and Toronto got cancelled with that weather in Texas. Uh, Austin couldn't get on a flight. So this is going to be at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific on Thursday, the 9th of May on Game TV up there. Facebook watch for everyone else. So Austin at Toronto, who have you got? Toronto. Who do you yeah. have? Toronto? <laughs> Look. They I have mean, to win. They have to win. I think the question is, are Austin going to win a game? Do you think I they're going to win a game? What's, what's their run-in real quick? Let me pull up their schedule and their run-in, and I'll tell you. That's a good question because, you yeah, know, I mean, for Austin and their fans, you really probably want to say, oh, yeah, we would like to win at least one game, but uh, they're, not so, gonna win so, this, they're not going to win this one, that's for sure. They're not going to win this one. Um, and, and then, then I, they're at they've Rooney. Had a yeah. Right. So then they're at Rooney, at Houston, and at Seattle. Houston, so that that's back, good. Whoa, yeah. whoa, whoa. We get, we, uh, so guess what? Rosters are in the box. I'm going to pull them up. I'm going to give you the rosters for this game. Oh, let's hear the Toronto Arrows roster. It'll be interesting to see which team they take more seriously out of the Arrows and Utah. So, wow. All right. I mean, they're putting a lot of first side people on here for against uh, Austin. You got Rob Brewer, loose head, Andrew Quatran, hooker, Cole Keith. So that's a change right there at tight head from last week. Mike Shepard, Paul Cellini uh, at line side, Lucas Rumball. Uh, he was out last week. Uh, Peter Malazzo at seven. Uh, Marcella Wainwright at number eight. Uh, scrum half, Jamie McKenzie. At fly half, Sam Malcolm. Uh, I think this was a change. Uh, Luis uh, Leandro Levas is back and starting at uh, left wing. Giuseppe Dutat inside center. Dan Moore moving to outside center. 
Avery Oitoman uh, to right wing, and Theo Souter back in at fullback. So, I mean, it's a strong team. Look, they're playing Thursday. They're playing again Sunday, and then they have a bye week. I, mean, I think I think this, they can push their players a little bit. We look at this yeah. bench; it's it's pretty much the bench is basically uh, the some of the starters from last week. Stephen Ng uh, was on the bench last week. Tom Dolezal, Morgan Mitchell, Colby Francis, uh, John Moonlight, Riley DiNardo, Kainoa Lloyd, Sean Windsor. So I so I did this I did this quite quite a bit when I was coaching. Um, at Penn State, and we would get into a national championship weekend where we'd either have back-to-back games or we would have, um, uh, you know, so either Saturday, Sunday, or we might have Friday, Sunday. And, and, and so the theory is that if you start your best team, then you're going to have to play the whole of your – you're going to have to play your best – you're committing to play your best team for as long as they can go. Because your bench, you can't bring them on if it's close. So what they've done is they've rested a bunch of their players, they've put them on the bench – and I bet we'll see some of those bench players not play if the game is in hand. But if the game is close, then they'll be able to upgrade on the bench. And that's the smart thing to do. Yeah, I agree. That definitely looks right. So we're both in agreement on that one. We jump to Saturday. Did you say, did you say agreeance? Is agreeance a word? No, agree. I think. I think uh, no, you said agreeance. Agree. We're both agreeance. Okay. We'll run it back. We'll run it All back. Right. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. That's impossible. I'd never say that. <laughs> All right, mate. 3 p.m. Saturday. Eastern. Oh. Yeah, 12 Pacific. CBS Sports Network. Game of the week. And it really is game of the week. I mean, this is finals footy written all over this one. San Diego at New Orleans. And I'll do the gentlemanly thing. I'll go first. I'm going to say San Diego bounce back down there without even seeing the roster. I know they're banged up and got some injuries, but I think the Legion get it done. I think that set piece is going to be the difference. I think Tight game. They'll play a lot of set-piece rugby. And uh, Peterson's kicking game. I don't know. If, if New Orleans get into that New Orleans role, I think they can get it done. But that game up in Seattle that New Orleans lost to Seattle, I know that was a tight game, but that suffocating defense that Seattle had up there, I think San Diego have a better defense than Seattle this year. So I think they can kind of shut them down early and frustrate them into trying to force their hand. But should be an absolute crack of a game and really could just be a bounce of a ball, this one. I don't say it very often, Dan, but you're absolutely right. You nailed it on the head. I think that the scrum yes. is going to be the difference in this game. I think that Nola can play on the front foot, but I think it's going to be harder for them to get on the front foot. The interesting thing – so one of the interesting things about Nola's game this past week against Austin is the number of carries that Taylor held in their fly half had. He had 12 carries. He had more carries than anyone else. That is a 9-10 connection that is not quite able to really click. And the interesting thing about San Diego's defense is that they play an umbrella defense. Their outside backs get ahead. They're trying to force you back inside. I don't think that Nola actually have the runners in the center to break through the San Diego defense, which is actually, if you know, you can't go wide against San Diego's defense, but you can break them through the middle. I think they're a little light um, through the middle, and so um, I, I, but I don't think I don't think Nola have the have the players to do that. So you know, I, I think there's there's so I'm with you. I think San Diego win. I think what's interesting here is that these guys play each other twice in the run in. And this might be the only time we see them really put out their best side 
because the next time they might already be in the playoffs and they may not want to show very much to what I think are the two teams that are probably favorite to get into the final. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's you know, we talked about this a few weeks ago. Toronto showed it. 65% possession is the only way you can beat San Diego. You can't beat these guys with the flashbang rugby. You've got to just grind them out. And yeah, I think you're right. It's through the middle where you're going to find those holes, but a second phase play after four or five phases of just stretching these guys and you can just find that weak or lazy defender who doesn't adjust, doesn't get back half a second too slow and there's your opportunities. But I think Nola like moving that ball side to side and really wearing the other teams out and that may just play right into the Legion's hand. So we are agreeing on this one? We are agreeing. Okie dokie. All right, mate. 4.30, same day. It's Seattle at Rooney. This one's on uh, SNY New York, Root Sports up in the Pacific Northwest and ESPN Plus everywhere else. Another top four final hopeful clash here. And for Rooney, this is a big game for them. Seattle find themselves outside the top four, but I think their run home is a little bit easier than Rooney's. No, they're about the same, actually. They're almost identical. But Seattle finish at home with two. Rooney have to go to Toronto at the end. This is a tough one. You want to go first on this one? Yeah, I'll go first because I think this is going to be a, a critical game. I think whoever wins this game makes the playoff, and whoever doesn't win it is going to struggle. I think that's how important this game is. And and you know, I, you know, so Rooney have had some real injury struggles. Like Ross Deacon was back last week, didn't really play his best. The weather wasn't great. Um, uh, Paddy Ryan was back. That was a big step up for them. But Seattle have had their injuries, but Seattle are coming off a bye. I think that's going to help them. I think that is what gives them the edge. I think this time of the season, getting that bye, getting fresh. Um, I know Richie Walker basically gave the guys a week off. They're going to come in fresh. If you remember, they were really lethargic against Toronto in their um, in their last game. And so I think that um, we're going to see Seattle come out with a lot more energy, a lot more aggression. And of course, Let's see if their um, star signing, Samu Manoa, is on the field. And if he is, that definitely gives them the edge. So I think this is going to be a close game, but I think Seattle edge it. I also saw Vili Tolotahu back at training as well. And he said he had an eye on the game after the bye as his comeback game. So you add that into the fold as well. Seattle getting strong at the end of the year. Samu Manoa. Looks like he's fitting in too, doesn't it? It Everyone's does. happy to see him there and he's getting along well with everyone, which uh, helps the chemistry. Boop, 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 boop. I don't know. You're a New York guy. I am you a New York guy. said you're a New York guy. I am a Go New York guy. Go for it. Guy. If you're a New York guy, here's the test. It's a toss-up. A New York guy would pick New York in a toss-up. The fact Seattle are at camp in Pennsylvania all week too, so that time difference isn't going to really hurt. You them at are all. a New York guy. Pick New York. It's not like I'm going for Boston. What? I, I said it's not like I'm going to go for Boston. Like the whole New York thing is, you'd never go for Boston, but Seattle. It's on the other. No, coast. but they're playing New York. You're a New York guy. New York's your team. Uh, you should. It's a bit of a toss up. You're not sure. You should go with New York. Surely, this is I'm my also- way of getting back in the game. Is if you start picking. Like with your heart and not your head. Oh, I'd love to see the roster for this one. These tight games, it really comes down to who who's picked and who's healthy. And go on, Seattle. 
I'll go Seattle. We might have a change in this next one, though, because it's the Raptors at Houston, 8 p.m. on Cube, Facebook, watch everywhere else, Saturday night. I'll tell you what, I'll do you a solid. I'll go Houston. Yeah, you know, I mean, it, this isn't that, that's not that tough a decision. I mean, I mean, sorry. This Why? Is not, no, this is, that is, this is not an easy decision. Excuse me. It's getting late on the East Coast. Oh. And it's, the reason it's not an easy decision is in the last game, Houston's basically scrum Glendale off the pitch. Glendale had their starting tight end injured last week. So um, Glendale won 52-44 at home. In a game, like if you go back and you look and you look at the ties that Glendale had and you look at the wins that they've had on the last play of the game, it's pretty incredible. I mean, anyone that has gone to Infinity Park has got their money's worth. Um, so I'm going to go with Glendale. You can go with Houston. I can, But I can see a way of Houston winning this game, and it's similar to to what they did at, uh, um, at Glendale, which is basically scrum. There's two things they have to do. So obviously they have to dominate the scrum, but on defense, they have to apply pressure. Glendale dropped the ball under pressure. They have to get in their faces. If they get in their faces, there'll be knock-ons. If there's knock-ons, there's more scrums, and that's exactly what they did in the first game. Threaten Palamo to have a massive game. Well, I think part of that's going to be who's at scrum half because Connor Murphy is certainly, you know, a quality player, but he doesn't play a fast game. And they've missed Arada more than anyone else in this long-term injury coming back from a foot issue. And with the back line they have, they need a pass-first, quick scrum half, and that's actually not how Connor Murphy plays the game. He's a much more controlling scrum half. So even with the talent they have in the back line, they can't open it because from the ball from the base is too slow. That's okay. That's why you picked Landau. That is. There watch me. Watch. Okay, let's find. Like, you know, it's this is going to come back at me. I'm, these, all right, let's get on to the last one. <laughs> uh, Utah up at Toronto. Game TV up there in Canada. KMYU in Utah. And then ESPN Plus everywhere else. This would be another tough one, you know. If Utah go up there fresh and Toronto get banged up Thursday night against Austin, a spirited Austin show up there and really give them a good crack, that's a tough turnaround. And and Utah also have a couple of new players, right? Former All Black coming in that played in the 2015 World Cup. I mean... Didn't plan. I actually picked Utah last week on the back of those two guys playing and they didn't play. Right. So, So, you know... it, it. that might be a different team. And also we can definitely kind of like see the inconsistency of Utah, right? You know, they play, um, you know, they play the sea walls pretty close. Then, you know, not so close against Nola, then really close against Rooney. Then they beat Austin and then they get blown out by Glendale. You're just like, which Utah team is going to step up? I mean, I'm going to select the arrows. I think even with their game on Thursday, I think they have enough time. They've, they've got enough depth, but I think this will be a close game. I think Utah will bounce back. I think, especially if they can, if they can bring those guys um, onto the field that they've they've added, I, I think this will be a close game. But I think, you know, again, all of these games are must win for Toronto, and so um, I think they're going to pull it out. I'm going to agree with you on that one. I think Toronto as well, unless they get absolutely decimated on Thursday night. I think with those selections you talked about on the bench, they can. Field a, a strong side against Utah on Sunday as well, and they should be able to get to it up there. Should be another big crowd too. It looked like a, a good little turnout 
on Saturday for Toronto. So hopefully it continues to build up there as the support grows for the Arrows. Yeah, I mean, I think it's the one thing that I have a concern about in terms of the longevity of Major League Rugby, and that's the ability for, for, for teams to grow um, their fan base. The, the bums on seats is what's really going to make this financially stable. It makes it better for sponsors. I think we've talked about this before. Um, and there's definitely growth from last year. But having teams like Toronto, if they could, you know, get to the Seattle level where they're bringing in close to 4,000, that would be great. It would be great to see Houston turn their stadium into something where they can bring three or 4,000 in every game. I mean, that's what we need to get at for this league to be sustainable. I agree. I agree. And uh, you know what puts bums on seats is winning. So uh, you've got to start winning and hopefully that builds some, uh, some support and some momentum as well. All right, folks, that uh, wraps it up for another show, show 32 in the books for Pete Steinberg, our producer, Aaron Castro. I'm Dan Power. Thanks for tuning in, and we will see you next week. Have a great weekend of Major League Rugby, folks.